0: I turn your attention tonight to 1 Samuel chapter 21, and we want to read uh, verse 9. 1 Samuel chapter 21 and verse 9. And the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod if thou wilt take that take it for there is no other save that here and David said there is none like that give it me I want to speak uh, tonight as we announced in the morning service on this subject what ever happened to Goliath's sword what ever happened to Goliath's sword would you bow your heads and pray Lord we are thankful to be in your house tonight thankful for the opportunity to worship you we feel your presence we know you are here in a mighty way we ask you lord that you would anoint hearts and minds to receive your word anoint your messenger lord to speak the word without fear or favor and we will give you praise for all things in jesus name everybody said amen Amen. you may be seated and thank you for standing the bible doesn't speak specifically about who took Goliath's sword from the battlefield and brought it to the city of Nob where the priests lived and put it in the temple. Uh, it does give us some indication that um, it was probably someone other than David. Uh, David came back. Um, he had Goliath's head in his hand. There was any doubt as to who had slain the giant David made sure that he would be able to remove all doubts with the evidence of the slain giant. And so this sword was so massive, even for a giant like Goliath, uh, it wasn't like something you could just carry around, especially um, a young man like David, no doubt, took both of his hands to be able to wrap around that the sword handle and to... Uh, Decapitate Goliath with it as he stood up on his chest. Of course, as the battle had progressed and the the stone from David's sling has found its mark in Goliath's forehead, there must have been somebody in the camp. Maybe it was uh, the priest. Maybe it was some general. But uh, whoever, they they took the sword and they put it uh, in that holy place. And they wanted it to be there, no doubt, as a remembrance that that sword, uh, was indeed a, a representation of that mighty victory. And, uh, David now has had a lot of water go under the bridge, so to speak, since this battle. He is, uh, um, on the run at this point. From King Saul. He had been elevated in the kingdom. He had been used. He had been honored. He had been favored. Uh, But then jealousy crept in, uh, even to the point where King Saul turned on his son Jonathan, because Jonathan and David were such close friends. And uh, he was upset with his own son for that friendship. And finally, Jonathan said, You know, David, you're just, you're going to have to flee for your life. Otherwise, uh, my dad will take your life. So um, it became clear that David uh, had to run if he was going to survive. And so he goes to uh, the high priest. He goes to see Abimelech in the city of Nob. And when he is there, he's looking for supplies. He's looking for help. He's looking for some bread. He's looking for whatever uh, he can manage uh, to be able to survive on the run. He uh, is not truthful, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, with uh, the high priest as to why he's there. He knew that he couldn't tell the high priest that he was running from King Saul. And certainly, uh, David's presence there was very troubling uh, to Abimelech. But then, as he is trying to figure out how he can fortify himself for this this uh, life of a fugitive that he was to embark upon, he then uh, has the uh good fortune, I would say, of having the the priest Abimelech offer him the sword of Goliath. Uh as, as David takes the sword of Goliath, I I in my mind I can see uh a smile grace his face as he is blessed to remember the great victory, the victory in the valley of Elah. He also smiles because he knows that. Abimelech remembered and appreciated his earlier victory. And no doubt that was a sense of comfort for him at this point in time when when he felt that he was betrayed by his own countrymen and by his own mentor. And so uh, there was probably a moment there where David was encouraged in his spirit. And the fact that Abimelech would offer the sword that was there in the temple uh, as, a, as a remembrance of this great victory. The fact that the high priest would offer the sword to David was something that no doubt made David feel appreciated. That the high priest would consider David worthy to take the sword. Perhaps even praise fills David's heart as he is reminded that above all, God remembered the good that was done. It's good to know that God keeps very good records. I said it's good to know that God keeps good records. Though you may be facing quite a dilemma at this point in your life, sometimes you got to go back and remind yourself of the victories that God has given you in your past and don't let anything take those from you. But the sword represented more than just the memory of the victory. It represented the strength and talent and the anointing of God that he puts on a young man or a young woman that dares to stand up for a righteous cause. Uh, David did not start out this battle with a sword in his hand. All he had was a sling. And it was the sword of Goliath that gave him the ultimate victory. Yes, sir. That gave him the finality of the victory. That gave him closure on this giant, ever-speaking, threatening words against the army of God's people again. In fact, David even uh, requested and declared, in the midst of this battle, before they engaged in a physical war, there, there was sort of a valley of of insults where uh, the giant was insulted that all Israel could come up with was a boy. And so he announced all the things that he would do and feed them to the fowls of the air and all of this. And David, under the boldness of the Holy Ghost, he didn't back down. He didn't say, what in the world am I thinking? He said, you come with your strength. I come in the name of the Lord of Jehovah God. Hallelujah. And so when David got this victory, he knew it was not just him. He knew that it was God. It was the anointing of God upon David's life. He had received that anointing uh, some time before when Samuel had visited the house of his father. And he was just a boy that was out uh, as a shepherd uh, tending the sheep. But Samuel said, there's one that's coming. There's another one. We're not going to sit down until he gets here. All the other brothers... They tried to anoint with the horn of oil. The Lord said, that's not him, that's not him, that's not him. And finally, he had to ask David's father, the prophet Samuel, is there any other sons? Yes, there's this one we almost forgot. When he gets there, he anoints him with oil. David had been anointed before, but now that anointing had an opportunity to come to fruition for all to see. It represented the Spirit of God. The spirit of God, the Bible talks about in the New Testament that the sword is the spirit as it talks about those great weapons of warfare that we have in the New Testament. It represented the spirit of God to turn the tables and to give you a victory against all odds. It represented the blessings of God because the Bible says that when David ran up to this fallen giant and he had no sword in his hand, he took Goliath's sword. Oh, hallelujah. There are victories where weapons that have been intended to destroy you, God turns the tables. And he uses those same weapons in your hand to be a mighty blessing to you. David fought that battle without a sword in his hand, but God gave him a sword, hallelujah, He gave him a sword when it was needed. It was the blessing of God that turned the tables. It was the blessing of God that put the sword in David's hand. And I rise tonight to declare to you that it wasn't just David that had Goliath's sword but any man or woman that walks with God long enough is going to be given a sword of Goliath. You're going to be given something that will remind you that God can bring a victory when it
1: seems like there's no way out. And it seems like you'll never be able to have what you need to get your victory but maybe it was in a Sunday night that the anointing of God came upon you and you said I'm going to praise my way out I'm going to believe God for the impossible and God made a way the very sword that threatened all
0: of Israel went in the hand of Goliath will now protect Israel and her future in the hand of David I love the way God can turn things around. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verses 7 and 8. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom. Which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew. Talking about the princes of the power of the air. Talking about the generals of Lucifer, none of them knew, for had they known it, they
1: would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they would have known that the crucifixion was a a Goliath sword, that would be turned against them. And for 2,000 years... What they thought was a victory was actually the victory of the church of God. It was the victory for every man or woman that says, I believe in Jesus because it's by his stripes that we were healed and our sins are forgiven because of Calvary.
0: And the Bible said if they would have known, if the princes would have known. They didn't know it was a mystery. It was a, it was hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Why? Because what they thought was a victory and all the little demons and devils having their dance party, if they would have known they were just playing in the hands of an almighty God that would give us the lamb slain from the foundation of the world so that men and women can find a way to be delivered from this weight of sin that has plagued humanity from the Garden of Eden. Uh, but now uh, we have uh, Paul described it in Romans as a propitiation or a substitute, hallelujah. We've got a lamb, hallelujah, that was slay. And you
1: and I can lift up our hands uh, even though we've not always made the right decision. We can enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Why? Because the Lord turned the tables. The Lord took the weapon out of the enemy. He turned it around And he gave victory to the church
0: Had the princes of this world known What was happening on the cross They would not have crucified the Lord of glory So God took the hammer of hate And the nail of judgment And pounded out our spiritual emancipation Oh hallelujah I feel like declaring to somebody in this building tonight, I don't know what the
1: enemy has come against you with. But I'm here to tell you, that that, that was intended for evil, God's going to turn it for good. That's what Joseph had to get a revelation of. I know you brothers meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. The very thing that you did, that was driven by your own selfish motivations, God had a purpose behind it all, and I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for that.
0: The enemy's come at you, if he's come at your family, you ought to thank God for it. It's not going to be a setback, it's a setup. There's a victory that's coming. There's a sword that God's going to put in your hand That you didn't start out
1: with uh, But because of the battle uh, But because of what was uh, set against you God says I'm going to use it And I'm going to bless them Beyond their wildest imagination You ought to go ahead and shout for the battle now You ought to go ahead and thank God uh, Because the spoils of war Are going to put you in a place Where God can use you With an anointing And a power The sword
0: is a witness That God is there when we need him God is our refuge and strength A very present help In trouble A very present help In trouble He's there when you need him David is on the run. His life is in danger. He has no defense. What a great witness when Bimelech pulls out Goliath's sword. God has seen the affliction of David to more than ready him to supply a defense for him. He says, David writing in Psalms 18 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. But after David takes the sword of Goliath, he goes to the city of Gath. The land of the Philistines was marked by five cities. Gath was one of them. The city of Gath was the enemy's camp. It was the city that Goliath was from. And when David takes this sword, this anointing, this blessing, this victory, he takes it and he goes to the enemy's camp. He goes to the city of Gath. And when he goes to that city, he's captured. And when he is there, he doesn't know if he's going to make it out of there. He pretends to be insane and he does all of these uh, play acting, as it were, to pretend that he's something that he's not. Because he's fearful of losing his own life, and the Bible says that the king says to his generals, "What'd you bring him here for? What do you want me to do with him? You want me to bring him to my house? Get him out of here!" And so, as I was studying this a few weeks ago, I found myself saying, "Whatever happened to Goliath's sword? Because Goliath's sword's never mentioned again after this. David got out of there." But it doesn't appear that the sword got out of there. Doesn't appear that Goliath's sword ever made it out of Gath. And wouldn't it make sense? If they tell David, get out of here. That they then going to arm him with the sword that he came into town with? No. You came in with Goliath's sword. But you're leaving empty. It's never ever mentioned again in scripture. It was lost in that one visit to the enemy's camp. To go to that very city that Goliath was from. Goliath had four sons that were also giants. And as David goes back to the city of Gath, he escapes. But the sword of Goliath does not. It's not with him when he leaves. Some things you lose in the enemy's camp
1: that you never get back. There was nothing like this sword. It was unique. It was one of a kind. It was special. I feel my help coming now. So are you. You are special. You are one of a kind. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You're not just the average person at Heritage High School. You are called, you are chosen, and you are faithful. You're not just the average worker at Northup Grumman. You are special. You've got the call of God upon your life. You've got the victory. You've got the anointing. You've got the Spirit of God. You've got the memory of service after service after service of being in His presence.
0: You say, just one drink won't matter. Just one trip to Gath on spring break won't kill me. I've been working hard. I've been studying hard. Just one Friday night at the club with some friends won't kill me. It's just one night to blow off some steam. You may survive. You may make it out alive. But there's some things that you'll lose that you'll never get
1: back. There's some things that won't ever come back with you when you find your way back to an altar. I'm preaching to somebody in this church. It's not worth the one trip to gas. You've got that sword. You've got that faith. You've got that boldness. You've got that anointing. You've got that sparkle that makes you special. There's none other like you.
0: Years later, people will gather and in casual conversation, they will ask whatever happened to her, whatever happened to him. I remember when he had so much joy. I remember when he used to worship and pray. I remember when he was at the altar when everybody else was done. I remember when he would run the aisles when everybody else was preoccupied. But all it took was one visit to the devil's domain. All it took was one visit with Goliath's sword to the devil's domain. Maybe you're one of the lucky
1: ones and you're able to get out. But you lose your gifting there. You lose that one thing that God had given you that was going to be something that set you apart and made you special. I've come tonight as a pastor, as a voice of warning. It's not worth the one trip that you It's not worth it. God has gifted you with something that will cause you to be a world changer. Don't give it up. Don't give it up for one trip to the enemy's camp. (laughs)
0: Samson was raised in the church. He knew he wasn't supposed to date girls out of the church. But the girls were better looking over at Gath and Gaza. That was the second city of the five cities that made up the Philistines domain. He found one over there that he liked in Gaza. And the reason that he thought they were better looking over there was not because they were better looking, but to a carnal person, the world will be better looking. To a spiritual person, you see beyond just the flesh, you see the character of an individual. And I say today, there's nothing beautiful than a man or a woman that will keep themselves pure, that are raised around these altars and say, I'm gonna dedicate myself to the things of God. There's nothing more beautiful than that. No, he was carnal. He was gifted. He had that sword. He had that special strength that made him so unique. But he found one over there that he liked in Gaza, the land of the Philistines. No, she wasn't of the same faith. They had different values, but none of that seemed to matter in the shadows of forbidden fruit. The enemy was waiting, as the enemy always is. No, the enemy will roll out the red carpet, but they'll hide in the shadows and wait, just wait until you're vulnerable. Wait until you're distracted. Wait until you ventured into a place that you should not be. The enemy was waiting. And they shut the doors on him, the doors to the city, the gates of the city. They locked it. They would now capture him. They would take his strength. That special gifting that made him so unique would be gone. But God was merciful. And Samson just picked up the gates of Gaza, put them up on his shoulders, and walked up a hill with them and planted them on the ground and just kept going. So every time he escaped death, he was reminded that he was special until the gift was gone. Romans records some strong words about the feelings of God.
1: It says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. You say, oh, I can't believe God would hate. Read your Bible. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Why did God hate Esau?
0: Because Esau hated his birthright. He despised the blessings of God. He didn't see any value in it. That that God had gifted him with. He didn't have any choice in the matter, the way he was born, the oldest son. He was in line for the blessings of God. But
1: it was no big deal to him. To the point that he would sell it for a bowl of soup. It should have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But it wasn't because Esau... Did not really value that one-of-a-kind blessing that only God can give.
0: I just feel like i got to preach this and maybe I'm being redundant. But I want to just stop and remind you that if you have the power and the presence of God upon your life, I don't care if you're 11 years old, 12, 14, 17, 19, 26, or 84. If you've got the Spirit of God upon you... Don't ever let the devil devalue that in your own eyes. You're a fortunate man, woman,
1: boy, or girl. If you know what it is to praise your way out, if you know what it is without fear to lift up your heads and to declare the glory of God and not be in a prison of peer pressure, you are a blessed individual. He allows us to sit in heavenly places.
0: And Esau really didn't care that much about it. He caused his parents a lot of grief because he, like Samson, was drawn to girls outside of the church. The prodigal son made his way back home, but he lost his inheritance with a fling in a foreign land. You would have thought that David would have learned his lesson when they took Goliath's sword from him, but no. The next time David visits Gath, the Philistines welcome him once again with open arms. They even give him a little place to live to raise his family a little place called Ziklag. Ziklag had once upon a time belonged to the children of Judah, but now it was possessed by the Philistines. And David is happy to go to the place that once had belonged to the people of God, but now was the habitation of the enemy of God's people. Be careful about trafficking where the Spirit of God used to be or with people that used to be in the church. Sometimes people ask me, is it's okay if they go to another church with a friend or another faith? They go there with their friend. They've made a deal with their friend. Their friend said, if you'll go to my church, then I'll go to your church. And so people will sometimes ask, or they used to in the old days. Nowadays, people just do it if they want to. But they used to ask and say, you think it'd be okay if I go over to that church with my friend? And I always say, No. It's not okay. Because I don't ever know anybody that was ever saved from that arrangement. You You don't win somebody to God by going with them to the enemy's camp. You say another church is the enemy. If they're preaching false doctrine, they're the enemy. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Everything else... You don't win people by going to their church.
1: You win people by bringing them to the house of God. Jude said we have to pull people out of the fire. You don't pull anybody out of the fire by getting in the fire with them.
0: I can feel resistance in the spirit, so I'm going to go ahead and preach this a little while longer. We had a girl in this church for a while that was convinced that she was going to win Muslims by going to the mosque. She would put the burqa on her head and she would go to the mosque. That didn't work, so she decided to go to the Middle East. I tried to help her and get her connected to our missionaries in the Middle East. They tried to help her, but she was convinced she was on a mission from God. Let me tell you about the will of God for just a moment. It will not involve you going to the land of the Philistines for support. Both times that David went to the land of the Philistines, he went for support. He needed a covering. He needed help. And both times that he went to Gath, it didn't turn out well. The first time he lost Goliath's sword, the second time he lost his family. You lose your covering when you go to the land of the Philistines. You lose your inheritance. You lose your blessing. And God's merciful. And you may be able to get some of it back.
1: God was merciful to David. And David was able to get his family back. But the first time he went to the land of the Philistines, he went by himself. The second time he went, he brought all of his men with him. And so all of his men were now paying
0: the price for this. No wonder they took up stones to kill him. It's one thing when you sin by yourself. It's another thing when you bring your posse with you.
1: Now everybody's lost their family. Now everybody's lost their marriage. Now everybody's lost their kids. But I'm thankful for the mercy of God. Because when David got alone and he said, God, tell me what to do. The Lord made a way of escape.
0: They recovered their wives and children. They got out of there three days after they're back in zigzag. David finds out that King Saul and his son Jonathan have been slain in battle. A battle, by the way, with the Philistines. And in verse 20, he says, Tell it not in Gath when they give him the, the news. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew. D-E-W. Neither let there be rain upon you nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away. The shield of Saul as though he had not been anointed with oil. My friend, when you still go to those mountains of Gilboa in Israel, they are bare. The guy told us they cannot get a tree to grow on those mountains because David cursed it all those years ago. But then David has a change something something shifts in his spirit when Saul is killed and Jonathan, his best friend, is killed. And he says, don't even publish it in Gath. Even though he wasn't where he needed to be yet, in his heart, he recognized it was the enemy's camp. And I don't want the enemy to have any victory over the people of God and the things of God even though I'm personally hurt, even though I'm not where I need to be yet, yet there was something in David's spirit that recognized that Gath was not his home, that Ziklag was not his home, that the land of the Philistines were not his people. It's a wise man or woman that makes up their mind. I've got to get back to my people. i got to get back to that church. i got to get back to an altar of repentance. This is not where I belong. Why did I ever get this far? You made your way back. I remember brother Nick Mahaney testifying about being raised in the campgrounds of Arkansas, his dad, a famous evangelist, and him getting out in the world, getting hooked on drugs, running meth labs, becoming a drug pusher, doing unspeakable acts of hurt and pain and cruelty to himself and others. But there came a time when he said, I can't do it anymore. I don't belong out here. I've got to get back to an altar of repentance. And just like David, the Lord gives a path for people to escape. But they'll be the first to tell you, if people even in this church could testify, being raised at an altar of anointing, and through whatever reason begin to make mistakes, they will tell you with their own words, wasn't worth it, don't give it up, Don't give up that anointing, that gifting for just a fling. It's not not you. You will never feel comfortable in the world. Twice David went to the land of the Philistines. He never, ever fit in. Just was not his home. And whenever he says, don't let this place rejoice over the demise of my king. Gath does not need to know. Hell does not need to know. They have their giants, but we have our God. Three days later, he gets up and gets out of Ziklag and says, Lord, where do you want me to go? And the Lord says, Go to Hebron. And there, David is anointed king. He knows David is ready at this point because he recognizes that David's heart has been prepared. He has realized the Philistines are not where he belongs. Oh, yeah. They have Goliath's sword, they have their giants, they have their victories, but they will not rejoice over one of our fallen kings. Three times David says in Scripture, Oh, how the mighty are fallen. Oh, how the mighty are fallen. But David, this is the one who chased you. This is the one who was jealous. This is the one who tried to kill you. But David saw the big picture. Sometimes you got to see the big picture. Let me just say this because I feel this in the spirit. It's not worth losing your salvation because you get crossed up with somebody in the church. I'm going to say that one more time. It's not worth losing your destiny, your calling, your future, your family, your inheritance and everything because you got with. You know what? We're all people. Everybody's wearing flesh down here. And so we all make mistakes. And there's sometimes you just get caught personality difference, whatever. They're in my seat. I wanted that seat. They took my parking spot. Whatever it is, uh, put it under the blood. It's not worth losing your soul over. It's not worth losing your sword over. David's loyalty to the people of Israel is greater than his loyalty to the inhabitants of Gath. And later on, the sons of Goliath Goliath come out uh, of Gath, and they become fierce warriors. Some of them have six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. Twenty-four digits. The Bible describes them. And David was king now, and yet Goliath still was producing giants. Still kept trying to come back. And David and his men had to keep fighting them back. If you don't remember anything else I say tonight, remember this. Anything you give allegiance to in your youth, you'll have to keep slaying in your life. I said anything you give allegiance to in your youth, you'll have to keep slaying in your life. And sometimes this can take a toll on you. In 2 Samuel 21, 15, it says, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again. Everybody say again. again. With Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. I'm tired of always having to fight these giants. One more time, we got to go down to the Philistines. We've got to go down to Gath. They're still producing giants. Only now they're getting worse. They're growing extra fingers and toes. Bunch of freaks. And Ishbibinab, which was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed
1: 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David the same enemy, but they got new weapons. David took my
0: dad's sword, but I got a new sword. I got a fancy new sword. I just got down at Bass Pro and I'm ready for David when he gets down here. He ain't as young as he used to be. He ain't as bad as he used to be. He's having to run a kingdom now. He's having to deal with all the politics of the position. He's not a warrior anymore. He can't run like he used to be able to. He doesn't have the strength that he used to. David had lost Goliath's sword there.
1: But it was a new sword. A similar sword that almost took him out. And it would have. Except that David learned that he needs his brothers. The enemy will keep trying to use
0: what he was successful with in your youth. He'll try to use it against you. Only it's a little more modern. I mean, you think about folks from the very beginning of time, man has been tempted by lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Only now there's new mechanisms for that. There's cell phones and there's iPads and technology has advanced. But it's it's all still the same stuff. It's new swords, but it's still the enemy. But Abishai. The son of Zeruah secured or overcame him and smote the Philistine. Ishbibunab with his 24 digits thought he had taken David out with
1: his new sword. He's got extra fingers, extra toes, and a brand new sword. And David was tired. Sometimes you get weary and you're well doing. And his past was trying to come back and get him.
0: And he was faint. And these people thought they had him. They thought they had killed him. But thank God. David, you don't have to fight by yourself anymore. God's put some loyal men around you. They've been through the caves. They've been through the trials. They've been through the ups and downs. They even went with you when you lived in Ziklag. They've been there. They lost their families like you. You
1: guys have been through a lot together. There's a loyalty. You're part of a brotherhood. And Abishai says, Oh, no, 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 no.
0: You're not going to take our king out. No. I don't care how many fingers you got and how many toes you got. Ain't none of them going to work without blood flowing to them. I don't know if he said that, but it would have been a good thing to say. He overtakes him, him and his new sword. Then the men of David swear unto him saying, thou shalt go no more out with us to battle that thou
1: quench not the light of Israel.
0: Oh, thank God for the church that says that we will help you fight your battles.
1: Don't let the enemy separate you from the church. There's no better friend in the world than a brother or sister that'll fight your battles with you. That'll say, I'll help you pray. Come on, we can do it. We can get through it. I know you're tired. I know you're sick. I know you're hurting. But God has given us brothers and sisters.
0: These four, talking about those four sons of Goliath, were born to the giant and Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. David lost the sword by going back to the enemy's camp. But when that mistake tried to resurface, God gave David the people to help him with the victory. The greatest strength that we have in this life is to be a part of the church of the living God. Brothers and sisters, that'll hold your hands up. A church that'll stick with you in battle. You don't have to fight by yourself. God's given you a church. Would you stand to your feet?
1: Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus.
0: I feel a pool in the Holy Ghost. I feel a tug in my spirit. I feel like this ought to be a service of dedication and consecration. I wonder if we could flood these altars right now when we come. Would you make a commitment? I'm not going to give up that gifting that God has put in my hands. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to the enemy's camp. No, I'm not. I'm going to stay in the altar. I'm going to stay in the church. I'm going to stay linked to brothers and sisters that can help me pray. You don't realize it because you're more aware of your mistakes than anybody else is. But God... Has called you to be the light of Israel. He's called you to reach this generation. Don't let the light go out in Israel. Don't let the light go out in Israel. Ya bo satra basa Ya narala bo satra bahaya
2: Lo
1: resku